It's Friday night. We're getting ready for a three-game Saturday-only slate. And there's a ton of drinking I need to get done so I can get this Sunday slate done. So let's get it on. What's up, everybody? It's your boy D Roy at Roy Dog underscore thirteen. That is R O Y D A W G underscore one three. This is the Doghouse. This is the three game Saturday only slate preview. Article just went out today with an updated spreadsheet. Um, Sunday article I'm hoping to have out tomorrow in the morning, and then have an updated spreadsheet sometime after we get the updated injury report from Saturday night. So without further ado, let's get going on here. We are going back through. Um, we'll kind of take it a little bit, maybe game by game. Do we want to do it that way? No, we're going to start with our quarterbacks uh, since both of them are going to be in this first game. Houston at Tampa Bay. Again, opened up Tampa Bay as a one-point favorite, 53 over under. It is currently at minus three for Houston with a 50 over under. So the points have dropped, but this is definitely by far and away the game that everybody wants to attack for points, <clears throat> and I don't think it's wrong. Um, probably my favorite quarterback is going to be Deshaun Watson. Is um, It's a lot easier to throw on Tampa than it is to run, uh, although I would expect Watson to utilize his legs in this matchup. Um, definitely think they can take advantage of the secondary, which has been just the shithole of uh, the NFL this season. The other quarterback is Jameis Winston on the other side. I think he's got just as good of a matchup. The only issue is, you know, there's no Evans and Godwin, so who's going to be picking up the slack for the targets? Um, I do believe I have this kind of... Uh, pinpointed on where it's going to go. Um, but you never know. It's a three-game slate. Anything can happen in these matchups, so it just kind of is what it is. Um, let's just go ahead and move on to running back. 
Um, God, how are we going to want to do this? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, if we're going to running back, then we'll start with Raheem Mostert, who is in the late night game, uh, the eight fifteen Eastern game, uh, San Francisco or L.A. Rams at San Francisco opened as a pick'em for whatever inexplicable fucking reason. Uh, forty-six and a half over under. It has gone to six and a half favorite for San Francisco with a forty-five over under. Um, if I'm taking a look at this correctly, I think this is definitely uh, a 49ers bounce back spot uh, versus an, any chance for the LA Rams to actually bounce back here. Uh, we do have a lot of secondary pieces that are coming back, which do include Kawan Williams, uh, who should be taking over the spot for DJ Reed, who is listed in the uh, spreadsheet. And then you also have Richard Sherman, who is... I've penciled him in as in. He's expected to be in. He said he is playing. Uh, so that's going to put the secondary at full strength. Now we do have a couple of D linemen, uh, one of them being D Ford, that are going to be out for this game. But I do believe that the San Francisco 49ers are going to have enough of a pass rush, which is what they want. You have a bad offensive line uh, for the L.A. Rams. So <clears throat> this should be San Francisco all day, every day. Um, generally, I don't like to use any San Francisco running backs, but Mostert, Mostert, Mostert is definitely a lead guy for the touches. Um, problem for me here, though, is kind of his price. So it's really going to be, I mean, he's probably about the safest guy that you can look at on the slate at the running back position. Um, it's probably going to, try to force me to pay down a little bit just to kind of get the wide receiver options and the tight ends. Um, and then, of course, I've got, you know, the two highest-priced quarterbacks. So, um, And then if you look at the defenses, we like the higher-priced defenses as well. So if there's a spot that you're going to probably pivot off of, it's going to be here at running back. You're just going to – you're probably going to set a lineup. If you're me, I'm going to set up three – uh, across the board, I do play all four sites, so um, I will have some Jameis Winston, but I'll, pro- I'll have mostly Deshaun Watson um, for the most part. So I'll be sprinkling, you know, a little bit of everything as far as the wide uh, running backs that I've listed here, just kind of cover all my bases um, from my write-up standpoint. Uh, next would come. Um, I have Carlos Hyde and Duke Williams listed. Not really too high on Carlos Hyde, to be completely honest with you. The reason why I put him in there is because he is questionable. They're saying it's a lower leg injury. Um, he was dealing with some personal issues, you know, something that was not injury-related uh, earlier in the week, so I don't know exactly what is going on here. Um he is the lead guy, definitely for touches. What do I got going on here? Any which way, fucking cat. Um, he is the lead guy for touches, but we generally don't like to attack Tampa Bay with the running back. But um, I think if you want to take into account that he came up a little bit lame later in the week, take a look at Duke Johnson, since he, you are getting quite a bit of value on him. 
uh, compared to the other running backs on the slate. So it's quite possible that you may want to just take a look at Duke Johnson, do a complete punt there, and just kind of hope that Deshaun Watson can get him um, with a possible passing TD, you know, a couple of receptions here and there, uh, maybe playing a little bit from behind uh, from time to time against these Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, next on the list is Devin Singletary. The one place to attack the Patriots is on the ground. Uh, we did see that with Joe Mixon last week. Joe Mixon with his you know shitty offensive line and Joe. I mean Joe Mixon's been getting it done week in and week out. You will see Joe Mixon on the Sunday article. Um, I don't think we can uh, even really choose to ignore him at this point. <clears throat> and Singletary's been getting the catches or been getting the uh, touches. So. Um, I think Singletary, where he's not at a Joe Mixon level, but out of all the running backs on the slate, I think he's the guy who has the most upside, to be completely honest with you. And that's even higher than Mostert, who you know everybody really, really wants to use. So um, I'll have shares of Singletary. Uh, he's the best price over on FanDuel. Um, not by very much, but, you know, dealing with three-game slate, uh, at least you're getting a little bit of value at $6,400, where he's the fifth-highest-priced uh, uh, running back. Um, I do think that they're going to – they're going to – they're going to – this is going to be more of a ground-and-pound game from both sides. So especially when you're looking at the over-under, um, you know – New England is a six and a half point favorite. It's a thirty-seven over under. That has gone down uh, from New England being a seven point favorite and a thirty-eight and a half over under. I really, really want to choose the Bills for an upset here, but I don't know if I can pull the trigger. You know, I've got a confidence pool that I've got to be in too. So this is probably going to be a spot where I kind of you know go low, low. Um, a low number somewhere, you know, five and under, but still pick the New England to somehow pull this one out um, at home in Foxborough. Um, but I don't think they're going to win by much. I honestly, I would take, I would probably take the uh, Buffalo Bills against the spread um, and take the under in this game. I don't think there's going to be very much here. So um Definitely take a look at Singletary because he's going to be heavily involved this week. On the other side, you have Sonny Michel. He's not priced uh, too much you know, lower than Devin Singletary in the same game. Um, I've looked back at the last few games because we need to decipher you know, what's going to happen here with Michel. you got James White. You have Rex Burkhead who's getting involved. Um. Playing from ahead, you're going to basically see, you're going to see Sony Michelle. Um, James White does get his touches, and with um, a real lack of options in the passing game, uh, you know, including you know Julian Edelman being really banged up here, um, and I know that's probably going to be a spot that people are going to want to use to still go with Edelman in the slot here. I'm choosing the fade this week. So it could mean more targets for James White in this game, but I do expect New England to kind of stay ahead, um, keep this 
or it, at the very least, this game stays relatively close to where they're not really going to want to pass. They're going to play, you know, the uh, uh, possession game, try to get on top of the Buffalo Bills somewhere here and there, um, which bodes better in Michelle's favor, especially later in the year. They weren't using him as much earlier, so my thought process is that they were holding him back a little bit, kind of like last year where he really came about in the playoffs. So uh, Rex Burkhead, I don't quite hate him, but he's not going to get really a lot of touches, so he's got to utilize whatever upside he has to get away from the Buffalo Bills defense to score a touchdown. And I think that's what you're looking for if you're trying to get sneaky and use Rex Burkhead. Um, I I'm choosing not to go that route, but I completely get it, especially if you need value um, on a slate like this. So that'll bring up our last guy. That is Ronald Jones second. It's a fairly even split between him and Peyton Barber with a slight lean to Jones. Uh, Snapshare is relatively the same as well. Uh, Jones does have the most upside. And we really need to decipher whether or not Bruce Arians is telling the truth when he says he wants to get the running backs involved in the passing game. In my opinion, it's going to be more of the tight ends getting involved, both O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. So Jones really is kind of a wild card. Houston has gotten worse against the running back on the ground. Um particularly like, say, the last four weeks. Now, if you go back to the last six weeks, it went from uh, the sixth best uh, rush defense to 10th, 13th, 15th, 14th, and 15th. So they're kind of right in the middle. But if you look at the last six weeks against the running back in the passing game, it's gone from 24th to 25th, 25th, 27th, 27th, 27th in DVOA. Uh, points to the running back the last six weeks, 16th, 21st, 24th, 25th, 24th. So they are giving up points to the running back. So this might be a spot that we can still exploit. I don't know what his ownership is going to be. As far as the running backs, it's going to be probably most. Most it's going to be your highest owned running back on the slate by far. If I was going to make a guess, it's probably going to be Ronald Jones as second. Now, you may see a higher ownership on Todd Gurley um, at his price tag against the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not willing to pay it. We got lucky last week with Todd Gurley in uh, last Sunday's article um, with him scoring a couple late touchdowns. I don't think that happens this week. That's why I'm fading him. I'd rather I'd rather spend at the wide receiver at the tight end quarterback than have to spend up for Todd Gurley in a spot like this where it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. So if I'm taking a shot on one of the Tampa running backs, it's going to be Ronald Jones. I'll have him sprinkled, you know, here and there. Um, I'm not going to go particularly heavy. Probably have about, you know, three lineups with him. You know, if you're looking at the lineups that I'm putting in, I'm putting in a total of 12. So he's, you know, about 25% of the lineups. I can see him being in there, you know, maybe a fourth lineup in there. Moving on to wide receivers, I think you just put DeAndre Hopkins in and you just lock him in. Tampa sucks against uh, wide receiver ones. They have all season. 
There's no reason to fade him in the spot. Now, but we need to take a look at, you know, the secondary and tertiary guys, right? So you have Will Fuller, Kenny Stills. Kiki Kuti, fuck Kiki Kuti. Even, even in a good matchup, I don't expect Kiki Kuti to be on the field. I think you're going to have your three guys here, Hopkins, Fuller, Stills. Fuller's going to be that guy. That's going to be the deep threat guy. Tampa sucks against deep threats. So my feeling is that Will Fuller is going to be a little bit higher owned because everybody's going to get off Kenny Stills after his two-touchdown performance last week, right? So you're going to see a little bit higher ownership on Will Fuller, um, possibly people just you know pivoting off of Hawkins, which I think is stupid. And Will Fuller does have the matchup. Tampa's 20th against the wide receiver, too. And he's going to have Sean Murphy bunting, who can be beat deep. But don't forget about Kenny Stills. You have Carlton Davis, who is expected to cover him. He is very highly questionable to the point of not playing. So if we get the inactives tomorrow morning, and you see Carlton Davis out. I'm tempted to just go Kenny Stills instead of Will Fuller. What is that going to bump up his ownership? I don't know. Maybe, maybe with most of the quote-unquote sharps. Um, but I don't think with the general public it's it's going to be. They're, everybody's going to lock on to Will Fuller and not Kenny Stills. Even after last week's performance. So don't forget about Kenny Stills. Don't forget about him. Um, price point, you know, based on FanDuel, we keep, you know, the same tr- trending on how we write up this article. Uh, Brashard Perriman. I think he's another guy that I really want to lock in. The reason being is because he's going to uh, get a shit ton of targets. You're looking at Evans and Godwin not being out there. Perriman is about the safest wide receiver outside of Deshaun or DeAndre Hopkins on the slate. So he's a guy that I'm really going to lock in. Will I fade him on one or two? Probably. Just, to, just in case. Just to cover my bases. But I think... Perriman is definitely a guy that you want to go with. Um, they generally suck. Uh, Houston generally sucks against wide receiver ones. Now they're, you know, not <clears throat> um, incredibly, like, terrible. You know, it's not like 32nd in DVOA. Uh, you're looking last six weeks, 21st, 20th, 20th, 16th, and 18th. So they, they're, they're kind of around that, you know, 18th, 19th, somewhere around there. That 16th, I think, is kind of an anomaly. You'd have to look back at the uh, matchup that they had uh, two weeks ago. But um, definitely looking at Perriman. It's seasonal you're playing him because he's a high-end wide receiver too. So, you know, you're going to be paying a little bit more of the price over on FanDuel. But on the other three sites, you know, you're looking at 7th, 7th, and 10th. So uh, he's very fairly priced, if not underpriced, really, for the matchup. 
uh, for the opportunity costs. So uh, definitely take a look at Paramin, fade at your own risk. Which brings us to my next guy, and that's Debo Samuel. Not going to be very popular. This is going to be kind of more of your pivot option for Paramin. And I don't hate it as a pairing either. You have Troy Hill out. Everywhere I've looked, Troy Hill was the guy that was going to be covering Debo Samuel. Troy Hill was somebody that could get beat deep. Now, I expect Jalen Ramsey to cover in shadow, for the most part, Emmanuel Sanders. Now, will Debo see him from time to time? Sure. But Ramsey can be beat, too, every once in a while. Debo has a high upside. Can he take the top off of this defense? Absolutely. If Tavon Austin last week could score a long touchdown against these same L.A. Rams, why can't Debo Samuel? Take a look at him. If you don't like him, he's he's definitely second to George Kittle, who's at the tight end, right? Definitely going to be second on my board. I think a lot of people are going to go to Emmanuel Sanders. They're going to think that he's going to be the open guy. I think that's a mistake. I think Ramsey's going to be shadowing the shit out of him. Because Sanders is more of the security blanket, um, a secondary security blanket, I should say, to for George Kittle, for Jimmy Garoppolo. Next on here, um, actually was a surprising thing. It, it came up last night. I wasn't able to put it in until this morning. Um, we're going back to Buffalo. And this is really, really risky. Okay. But I like the play. Because I don't think anybody's going to be jumping on him. And that's one Cole Beasley. And this only pertains to when he's in the slot, which they tend to run, you know, 60% plus. Corner Jonathan Jones was very very good he's very he's been very good for the new england patriots he's out for this game and so there's only two guys who could possibly replace him and that's joe juan williams or justin bethel neither one is really that good and yeah you know cole beasley's not that great but in a game like this where they're going to try to just, you know, plot and move the ball around, you have John Brown facing Stephen Gilmore. You're going to have J.C. Jackson over on Isaiah McKenzie on the opposite side. The best place to attack through the air is going to be at the slot. It's going to be Cole Beasley. And you're getting him at a very fair price. It's not going to be a sexy play at all. But there is an opportunity for a touchdown here. So if you want to get off the beaten path, definitely take a look at Cole Beasley. Am I going to say, as Doc Roto would say, lock it in visionary style? No. Choose it at your own risk. I'll have shares. Especially if I don't have Devin Singletary, I will probably put Cole Beasley in. 
Moving on to tight end, number one with a bullet is George Kittle. If you can get him, fit it. Just go ahead and fit him in. Um, we saw last week against the LA Rams. It, it wasn't a great matchup on paper, correct? But Jimmy G didn't give no fucks. He's like a honey badger. Just didn't give a fuck. And just attacked the shit out of that defense. And now you're getting an even better spot. Let me see here. Where was I? Where were you, stupid? Okay. It's actually it's it's not as good of a spot, right? Because it's the LA Rams versus the Atlanta Falcons. But Falcons have actually been really good against tight ends this year. LA's been pretty decent too. But against Taylor Rapp? No. You can lie. I think you lock in Kittle, just put him in first, right? So you put him in first. You put in one of the, whichever quarterback you want, right, Watson or Winston, and just start working from there. If you like New England, go New England defense. If you like San Francisco, go San Francisco defense. Start working down from there and fitting in players. Next on the list is Tyler Higby. You will have Gerald Everett back. I don't know if that takes away any ownership. And I think that would be more of why I would play him would just be the ownership uh, play within itself, just gaining leverage on that, um, hoping that he could somehow come close to matching George Kittle. I don't think he really can. But... um, Tight ends have been okay against San Francisco. Uh, the way that they're running the offense lately, uh, Higby would be definitely the guy that you would want to use. It's more of kind of like the first read um, with Robert Woods, you know, uh, where if he's working out to in or working from in to out uh, based on the play. So I do like Higby. Um, I'm probably going to fade him um, because I'd rather start Kittle or one of the next two guys. Who are those next two guys? Well, it'd be teammates OJ Howard and Cameron Brait. Now, I'm going to read you exactly how I wrote it up in the article. I'm really split here. Howard is definitely the guy who should benefit outside of Perriman with no Evans and Godwin, but don't forget about Brait. Brait is a strict pass catcher, while Howard is the better blocker. I expect both to be on the field a lot with each getting time split out to the slot where they would have an advantage against Houston. It's quite possible that I may use both in a game stack as I believe some folks will try and use Justin Justin Mason, who's a very good baseball guy, but uh, Justin Watson, who I don't believe gets heavily involved. What does that tell you? It tells you that for the pass catching options, for me, it's Perriman, Howard, and Brait. I think you're going to get a lot of people who are going to try and fit, try, try and fit him. I mean, he's pretty cheap. So they're going to put in Justin Watson or Ishmael Hyman who caught a pass last week. 
he's going to Hyman is going to be the guy that's in the slot with Watson on the outside opposite of Perriman. I was a little bit higher on Watson in the preseason. I thought there was quite possible that he could beat out Perriman um, since Perriman wasn't really proving himself. But Perriman's been decent this year as a wide receiver three. Nothing fancy, you know, because Godwin and and Evans were ultimately going to get all the targets anyway. So he just needed to be decent, right? He just needed to be there. Where now you have Perriman who stepped up because Evans was out. Then you had Godwin come out. He was still pretty good. Who was the guy that Winston went to next? Because Watson was on the field after after Godwin went out, but he went to Scotty Miller. Now, Scotty Miller's out. So now everybody's expecting Jameis Winston to just trust Justin Watson? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this is I think this is really, really lined up well for OJ Howard and Cameron Braid. In a game stack, I will use both. Why? Because OJ Howard is getting a consistent amount of targets. Cameron Brait got seven targets last week when Godwin went out. We know that Winston likes Brait a lot. Always has. Always will. Enough to make me question whether or not they're lovers, too. But any which way. So definitely keep it in consideration. You don't have to run the two tight end set out there. Um, but definitely if you're putting in O.J. Howard, I would put in a pivot with Brait uh, just in case, especially if you're putting in, like, say, 10 lineups. Uh, at least get Brait somewhere involved in there. Defenses, it's going to be pretty straightforward. You got New England, San Francisco, and then Buffalo. Why do I have them like that? Well, the Patriots and the Niners are the two defenses that are really in line for turnover opportunities, sacks, um, and possible you know touchdowns. Right? Um, if I'm going to attack a quarterback out of the Buffalo and New England game, I would rather attack Josh Allen who's probably going to be more prone to mistakes than, say, Tom Brady, who, you know, he's the grizzled veteran um, who will get who knows how to get rid of the ball. Uh, Josh Allen doesn't really know how to get rid of the ball. He's going to hold on to it. He's going to try and make a play out of something. So you kind of get more of that turnover opportunity in that case. Um, so that's why I would lean more Patriots in that game than I would uh, Buffalo. <clears throat> it's just something there that just tells me, you know, uh, Patriots are going to get something, a block kick, something like that, and possibly run a touchdown. They're going to real—they've been relying on this defense all year. So, who are we to argue that they're not going to get it done again? Now, I did include the Buffalo Bills, only if you need to pay—you know—get a couple extra bucks, fit somebody in there. Um, I don't think Buffalo is going to be terrible. The only thing is—is is I would only use Buffalo if you don't believe that San Francisco or New England 
can run something back for a score. Because if one of those two defenses runs something back for a score, you're fucked. We need that defense. And it's either going to be New England or it's going to be San Francisco. So that's it. That's the Saturday-only slate. I'll be working on the Sunday uh, tonight and have everything out tomorrow morning, hopefully earlier in the morning, uh, so I can in- sit down and kind of enjoy that first game. I really don't give a shit about the other two games. It's that early game I really want to look at because I have a lot of fantasy players in there. Got to win them fucking titles. But uh, any which way, that's it. Any questions, I'll be in the full-time DFS Slack chat. Um, or hit me up on Twitter at RoyDog underscore 13. Go ahead and just hit me up in the DMs. I'll respond to anything there. So have a good night. And uh, let's fucking get them titles, baby. <laughs>